Chronicles chapter 11. First Chronicles chapter 11. When's the last time you heard a message in the book of First Chronicles? Some of you say, I don't even know that's in the Bible anywhere. Where is that? If you uh, like open your Bible, close it, look for clean pages towards the front, uh, you'll probably open it to Chronicles because not many people read through that. It's page 616 in my Bible. First Chronicles chapter 11. Maybe you've got an app. You can open your app there, bookmark your app, bookmark that. And I also want you to turn to Psalm 112. So we're going to look at two passages together. First Chronicles chapter 11, the mighty men of David. Bookmark that with your app or with your Bible. And then Psalm 112. They're still coming with books. Just keep your hands up, guys. They're working the crowd. Psalm 112, 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. How blessed is a man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. For this man's descendants will be mighty on the earth. Generation of the upright will be blessed. So that psalm tells us what a mighty man looks like. He's a man who trusts after God and generations will be blessed. About four years ago, I showed a video, three years ago, I think it was, and it showed that we all have the same dad. Did you realize that? We all had the same dad? Uh, Watch this video and see if you can relate to it. My dad used to always say to me, Do you think I'm made of money? Turn off the lights. Do you think money grows on trees? Turn the heat down. If you're cold, put on a sweater. You call that music? Turn that down. Turn it off. We're not lost. No, we're not there yet. Don't make me stop this car. I will turn this car around right now. What part of no don't you understand? I'm not just talking to hear my own voice. I'll tell you why. Because I said so, that's why. Call that a haircut? What keeps those jeans from falling off? Tuck in your shirt. Wipe your feet. Get your elbows off the table. The early bird gets the worm. You want something to do? I'll give you something to do. When I grew up, I had a job on a farm at 13. Oh, as long as you live under my roof. Stop crying, or I'll give you something to cry about. I brought you into this world. I can take you out of it. How's the job search going? Don't touch my car. My first car only had three wheels. What is this, a pigsty? Go make your bet. I walked ten miles to school. Through ten feet of snow. Uphill both ways. In my day, when I was your age, I had three jobs. This is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. Do you need anything? Are you sure you don't need anything? You can be whatever it is you want to be. As long as you tried your hardest, that's what really matters. You'll get it next time. You did your best. That's my boy. That's my girl. I'm proud of you. Real proud of you, son. I'm so proud of you. You'll always be my little girl. Thanks, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Thank you so much. I love you, Daddy. I love you, Dad. Daddy, I love you. I love you, Dad. Can you relate to that? We all have the same day. You know, Father's Day is a difficult day for some. There are some who have difficult dads. There are some who have lost dads this year. There are some who've lost children this year. And uh, so we honor dads on this day. One of the hallmarks of Temple Bible Church is that we have strong, manly, godly men. And we're grateful for that. If you're a dad, would you stand for a moment? If you're a father, would you just stand up out there and keep standing for a second? There we go. Look at these guys. Take a look around this room. Keep standing, guys. Keep standing. Take a look around this room. Keep standing. 
One of the hallmarks of TBC is men. Look at the number of men in this church. That's a rarity in our society, in our day. And we thank God for you and pray that you'll continue to grow in Christ. Secondly, it's a great delight as a dad in it and a grandfather to be able to parent, grandparent, kiddos. And I want to pray for you men today. I want to pray that God will continue to use you to impact generations. So if your dad is right next to you or the father of your children is right next to you, if you just reach your hand out and touch them, we're going to pray for them right now. Father, we are grateful for these men. And God, how I pray for each man here. I pray for each dad that's standing, each granddad that's standing, each great-granddad that's standing, Father, that we would be men who honor you with our lives, that Jesus would be seen in us, that we'd be men who worship you, who honor you, we'd be men of integrity, we'd be men of character, we would be men who look like the Savior so that generations to come will say, that's my dad, and I want to be like him because he's like Jesus. So, Father, I pray for that, for each man in this room, that we would be those type of mighty men. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, men. Those of us who are dads would tell you that sometimes being a dad isn't all that easy. Amen, guys? Amen, guys? Sometimes it's difficult. After bringing home their first baby from the hospital, a wife suggested to her new husband he might try his hand at changing his first diaper. You remember that, guys? And uh, he looked at her and said, I tell you what, I'll do the next one. The next time the baby was dirty, she asked if he was ready to learn how to change the diaper. He gave her a puzzled look. He said, I didn't mean I'd change the next diaper. I meant I'd change the next baby. (laughs) It's much easier to become a father than to be one. It's much easier to become a father than to be one. Anybody, we've got a lot of people that become dads out there. They become fathers, rather, and they never truly, never truly become dads. In First Chronicles chapter 11, we meet David's mighty men. David's mighty men should serve as an encouragement and a challenge to us. These are David's dues. This is his military hall of fame. These are his Congressional Medal of Honor winners from his army. They are mighty men. And this morning, what I want to challenge us is to be mighty dads. Just as David's guys were mighty men, my challenge to us is to be mighty dads. So we're going to look at these mighty men of David in 1 Chronicles 11 and talk how we might be mighty dads by looking at their lives. First of all, in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 10, it says, These are the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who gave him strong support in his kingdom, together with all of Israel, to make him king according to the word of the Lord. And these constitute the list of the mighty men of David. First of all, there's Joshabim, the son of Hakamanite, the chief of the 30. He lifted up his spear against 300 whom he killed at one time. Joshabim, probably never heard that name before. If you did, probably don't remember it. And what it says about Joshabim is he was one warrior. It says in a single battle, it didn't mean one time, meaning 300 charged at one time, but in a single battle, he lifted up a spear, he fought against all these guys, and he was one bad dude with a spear. He was some kind of superhero because in that particular battle, he killed 300 men. Then the text goes on in verse 22. It talks about another guy. In chapter 11 of 1 Chronicles, verse 22, it talks about a guy named Benaiah. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, mighty indeed, struck down the two sons of Ariel of Moab. He also went down and killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Did you know that verse is in the Bible? 
I mean, there's actually a guy named Mark Madison who wrote a book on that, and Dave Tate preached on this a couple of years ago on graduation day. A guy who killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day, and then look at verse 23. He killed an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits tall. That's seven and a half feet tall. That's the size of Yao Ming when he played for the Houston Rockets. Actually, probably still the size of Yao Ming now, even though he's not playing for the Houston Rockets. So he killed this guy, seven and a half feet tall, near in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam, but he went down to him with a club, he snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand, and he killed him with his own spear. Now this is one interesting dude, Benina. Actually, uh, you go down to kill a lion in a pit on a snowy day, that's a bad day. I mean, that's a really bad day. First of all, you're in a pit. A lion ends up in there. It's a snowy day. I mean, the odds could not, the circumstances could not be any worse for this guy. If he were alive today, he would be named Murphy, as in Murphy's Law, when everything goes bad. I mean, he's in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Circumstances couldn't be worse. There are actually Murphy's Laws on Parenting. Did you know that? I I Googled that up this week. Uh, Murphy's Laws on Parenting. Here are just a couple of them. The later you stay up, the earlier your child will wake up the next morning. Amen? you got little guys out there, you know what I'm talking about. If the shoe fits, it's the most expensive shoe in the store. And finally, backing the car to the driveway somehow causes a sensation that makes your child have to go to the bathroom. Benina was Murphy. I mean, you look at him, he's in a circumstance where he's in, he's in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, but he killed the lion. He prevailed. And then he goes up against this Egyptian giant, and what it says here is that he used his club to get a spear from him. I met him, he just hauled off, hit him in the shins, the guy dropped his spear, and then he rammed him through. We don't know exactly what happened, but we know that Benina is a guy who stood up and protected his nation and protected those around him. Both these guys listed for us were protectors. By the way, they prevailed, they didn't give up. One went after 300 men, the other guy went after a lion, went after a giant, and they prevailed. Mighty dads don't quit, they continue. Mighty dads don't quit, they continue. They they go to work and they slay giants and they slay lions, but they come home and they don't quit. They don't sit on the couch, sit behind a computer, sit behind a newspaper, behind a book. They engage their families. Men who are mighty men, who are mighty fathers, are those who prevail against giants at work and come home and they don't quit. They go out and they throw a ball. They go out and they take their kids swimming. They take them to the lake. They do whatever it is to engage their kids because mighty men who are mighty fathers don't quit. But the point of this is these men were protectors of their nation and we are grateful for men and women who protect our nation, but applicationally we are called to be protectors of our families as well. Scriptures tell us that we are the head of our homes and we're called to to protect our families and we will probably never have the opportunity applicationally to physically protect our families. I mean, not many of us are going to stand up to a burglar who's invaded the house. That doesn't happen that often. For a small percentage, if any of us will ever do that, we may not physically protect our family. We're not going to swoop in like some hero and save our kid who's being picked on by the bully down the street. That happens occasionally but not often. We're not going to be walking with our wife and our cars are going to come speeding up and we're going to shove her into, I mean, away from that car at that point in time. (laughs) Freudian slip. I'd never do that. But here's the reality. Not many of us will have the opportunity to protect our family physically, but there are other ways we protect our families. There are other ways that we can come along and protect our family. 
In that same psalm, Psalm 112, it says a little later, he will not fear evil tidings, his heart is steadfast. By the way, Psalm 112 is a psalm for fathers. You can jot that down, take a look at it later. He will not fear evil tidings, his heart is steadfast, he trusts in the Lord, his heart is upheld, he will not fear until he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. What that psalm tells us is when evil tidings come, when difficult times come, when trials come, when bad news comes, when difficulties come into your family, a mighty father is a father who is strong and steadfast, not because he can shoot straight, not because he can jump higher, not because he goes to the gym and works out all the time, but because he trusts in the Lord. You see, in the midst of chaos, there's a man who stands strong. And it's a man who says, in spite of the circumstances around us, we will prevail because our trust is in the Lord. And even though even evil tidings come, even though difficult things happen, we are not going to fear because we know who's ultimately in charge. And so a father, a father who is privileged to protect his family, <clears throat> does it in any number of ways. It may be physically protecting them, but more than likely it's going to be spiritually protecting them by being a strong man of God. You're going to be one who trusts in the Lord so that if evil tidings come, you will not fear, but you will look to him and you will hope in him. You'll trust in him. Let me be real specific, guys. You have the opportunity to protect your wife. The opportunity to protect your wife. You protect her by loving her. You protect her because she is the queen of your household. Amen, ladies? You ought to be amen to me on that one, girls. I just called you a queen. I mean, she is the queen of your household. You don't talk back to the queen. You don't sass the queen. You don't holler at the queen. You thank the queen. Amen, ladies? And guys, we have the privilege of protecting our wives from those around, especially our kids, protecting from our kids because she is the queen of that household. We protect our kids. We protect our kids through discipline. We protect our kids through giving them responsibilities. We protect our kids by focusing on internals rather than externals. We're not going to be legalistic dads and say, you've got to look like this, you've got to act like this, you've got to do that. What we're going to say is we want you to follow Jesus because when you follow Jesus, the internal transformation produces external change. And so we're going to be dads who trust the Lord, and because of our trust in the Lord, our homes will be different. You can protect your sons and daughters, you can protect your wives by trusting in God. You've got a dad or the father of your kids who's with you this morning, and they are men who trust God, who honor God, who walk with God, who protect your household. It's be a great time for you to just give them a big old hug right now. Take it. Go ahead. They're sitting with you. You go ahead and do that. Give them a kiss. Thank God. You can kiss them right here in church. It's okay. I mean, what a privilege. What a privilege. There are a lot of women who would love to have a man who is like that. If you've got a husband like that, you've got a, a grand a, a son-in-law like that, you are blessed. You're blessed. He not only protects his family, he provides for his family. He provides for his family. Where do I get that? Well, it's quite interesting. If you go back to chapter 11, in verse 12, it says, After him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo. Now, this poor guy gives a butt of all kinds of jokes. <laughs> Who's your daddy? Dodo. Here comes Dodo's boy. I mean, you can see it right here. I mean, you're the son of Dodo. What a name. But you're not going to mess with this dude. You know why? Look at the end of verse 12. He is one of three mighty men of David. He was with David at uh, Pastamin when the Philistines gathered together. There was a battle and there was a plot of ground full of barley. 
In, in 2 Samuel, it says it was a pot full of lentil, a field full of lentils. So this guy is going to defend a bean field. He's going to defend a barley field. Imagine that. I mean, I mean, he's going to do that. Why is he doing that? Because that's what provided for the nation. That's what provided for his family. He's going to make sure that the Philistines don't come and take everything they have to eat. And so the people fled before the Philistines, and they stood their ground in the midst of the plot and defended it, and they struck down the Philistines, and the Lord saved them with a great victory there. If you look at the parallel verse, you know that hundreds of Philistines were killed at that point in time. He might have been teased about being Dodo's boy, but the battle in the barley field was about protecting crops that would provide for the nation and provide for his family, and he did that. We have the privilege of being providers. The privilege of being providers. Now, one of the problems we as men have, and I put myself in that category, is that we tend to go to extremes. When it comes to providing for our family, some of us are workaholics, some of us are lazy. Some of you are lazy, you need to go out and get a job, you need to work harder, you need to do what you're doing. I'm not talking about uh, if, you've got the, if you don't have the ability, you don't have the, the, the opportunity, that's one thing. But I'm talking about guys that could but don't. The flip side of that, in a church like TBC, it's just the opposite. We've got probably more workaholics than anything else. We think we're good dads because we provide money and stuff for our family. The reality of it is they need us more than our stuff. Patrick Marley, who wrote the book that you men hold in your hand, says this, if I were hit and killed by a truck today, I'd be replaced at work tomorrow. But I'll never be replaced at home. I'd be missed there forever. Stop giving your family the leftovers of yourself. The best thing you can spend on your kid, you know what it is, guys? Time. It's the best thing you can spend on your kids. Years ago, I don't know who it was, some psychologist, maybe even a Christian author came out with this deal, quality time versus quantity time. I say bunk. It takes quantity time to get quality time. And if you're not there when you need to be there, you're not going to have any quality in that time at all. So take a look at that and make sure that your life reflects a Savior in that area and you're giving your kids time. Jim Dobson writes these words, When I reach the end of my days... And look back on, I hope, I want to look back on something more meaningful than the pursuit of houses and land, machines and stocks and bonds, nor is fame of lasting benefit. But I will consider my earthly existence not to have been wasted if I have a family who follows after Christ because of my example. See, what example are you leaving your family? I've got the privilege of going to the hospital when people are dying, and it is a privilege. It brings me face-to-face with my own mortality on a regular basis. And I get to visit with a lot of men and women in their last hours, last days. And all the times I've been to the hospital, hundreds of times, I've never had a guy tell me, you know, Gary, the one thing I regret is I didn't spend more time at the office. Not one guy. Not one guy has told me that. Gosh, I wish I spent more time at the office. But I can't tell you the number of men who told me if I could turn back the clock just some, I would change the way I did things. So for some of you, you've got it down. It's fine. For others of you, I mean, it's all about status, significance, provision, when what they need is a daddy. And it's my prayer that you'll make the adjustments while you've still got the kids in the house. What we leave in our children is way more important than what we leave to our children. What we leave in our children is way more important than what we leave to our children. 
One guy says, a Christ-like example is the greatest gift we can leave our kids, not grandkids, and about two or three million dollars. Just teasing at the end, but here's the reality. The reality of it is the greatest thing you can leave those kids is a, gr- a gift of walking with Christ. So you be a dad who, first of all, protects your family. You provide for your family, and not just physically. You can provide in other ways. You can provide an example. You can provide encouragement. You can speak words of blessing into the lives of those kids. You, you speak words of blessing. You, 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 you declare and you demonstrate. You declare and you demonstrate. You declare with words. You demonstrate with your life. Whose you are, how much you love, and how much you care for them. Paul was a spiritual father to the Thessalonians. He says, follow us as we imitate Christ. Paul says, I want you to imitate me because I am imitating Christ. And so as their spiritual father, he says, you can watch me because I'm modeling Christ before you. As dads, as dads, one of the things that we need to be able to say is, follow me as I follow Christ. How are you doing there, guys? I praise God for this body. I look around and I see men who walk with Jesus. I see a lot of men. I, I went to a couple of impact clubs this week. I watched your kids. And your kids are the way you are because you as moms and dads are modeling that. And I say, may your tribe increase. You're blessed. You are blessed. Some of us, we've got some work to do. Got some catching up to do. Some of us need to make a phone call and say, you know, I'm sorry I didn't model Christ before you. Or get home with some kids and say, you know, I need to be a better dad and exemplifying Christ to you. Your kids will respect you greatly if you come to them and just say, I'm sorry, let's pray about it and let's be different. Some of you, though, you model that, you honor that, you're great dads. I say keep it up. Keep walking with Jesus so that those little eyes who are mimicking you will see Jesus, respond like Jesus, because they've got a dad who does that very same thing. They they, they watch everything you do. If you model integrity, they'll live lives of integrity. You model Christ-likeness, they'll model Christ-likeness. The way you treat your spouse is probably the way they'll treat theirs. If you bellyache and complain all the time, they'll probably be just like you. If you spend time in the Word, it's an example to them. And so my prayer is that you'll be a dad who always keeps his Word, who always models Christ, who always looks like the Savior. Because then you're not only declaring, but you're demonstrating what a father should look like. Remember the story? I've used it probably a dozen times. After the christening of their baby, the family headed home with the four-year-old in the back seat in his car seat with the little baby in her car seat. And the four-year-old was sobbing and sobbing on the way home. And the father asked him about three times what was wrong. And finally, the little boy, through his tears, said that the preacher said he wanted us to be brought up in a Christian home, but I want to keep living with you and Mama. (laughs) What's your home look like? What's your home look like? We have the privilege to protect, provide. We need to be prepared to lead our family. I get that from 1 Chronicles chapter 12. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, you look at the, the very next chapter in verse 2, uh, these guys were prepared. It, it says in verse 2, talking about uh, 
talking about the Benjamites, it says they were equipped with bows. They used the right hand and the left hand to sling stones and to shoot arrows from the bow. They were switch hitters. They'd go either way. They could shoot a bow with either hand. They could throw rocks with either hand from a sling. It says these guys were equipped. If you write in your Bibles, underline that word. First Chronicles 12, 2, they were trained, they were equipped. Then you drop down to verse 8, it talks about the Gadites. And the Gadites came over to David in the stronghold, in the wilderness, mighty men of valor, men who were trained, men who were equipped. The same word in 12, 2 is found in 12, 8. Underline in your Bibles, they were trained men. They were men of valor. They could handle the shield, handle the spear. They had faces like lions and they ran like gazelles. And so referring to the Benjamites in verse 2, they were trained. Referring to the Gadites in verse 8, they were trained, they were equipped. You don't send somebody to war without training them, equipping them. Likewise, when we go to war as fathers, we need to be trained and we need to be equipped because we are leading our family into battle. Steve Farrar wrote a book called Point Man years ago. Guys, if you haven't read it, you need to pick it up and read it. It refers back to the days of Vietnam when a point man would lead a small patrol into the jungle. And the point man was responsible to protect the little unit that was with him. And everywhere he went, he was in charge. That's us. We're the point men of our families. What a privilege and what a responsibility. If you're not trained and equipped, we want to help you. Man, we'll help you learn how to study the Word, get in the Word, grow in Christ. Email me this week. Email David Richardson. We'll make sure you get in a community group. We'll make sure you do that. Or, or don't even email us. You, you can start a Bible study at work at one time, one day a week. You can ask one of your friends to show up and pray with him at work one day each morning. Or you can have a neighbor that you share with. Just make sure that you're in fellowship with other men. You look around this room. There are other men of God who walk with Jesus, honor Jesus, and their lives resemble Jesus. You've got to be prepared for the battle. You've got to be prepared. Finally, we need to be perceptive for the needs of our family. We need to be perceptive the needs of our family. I mean, when you, when you look, look at this, if you go to 1 Chronicles chapter 12, all the way down to verse 32, it talks about the men of Issachar. It says, The sons of Issachar were men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. So there are two things about the sons of Issachar. They understood the times, and they did something about it. They were perceptive about the times. They understood the culture they lived in, and then they engaged in that culture. When I look at the evangelical church in the 21st century, there are three ways we deal with culture. Some of us receive the culture. We live like the world, and that's wrong. Others reject the culture. We're so afraid that the culture is going to penetrate our families and our lives that we have nothing to do with the culture around us. We kind of hole up in our houses and we don't even let our kids have friends over. We, we don't do anything to engage the culture. That's wrong. Or we can redeem the culture. That's what's right. We redeem the culture by taking the gospel wherever we go. We redeem the culture by transforming the arts, by transforming the theater. We redeem the culture by taking Christ to the golf course and the basketball court. We redeem the culture by taking Christ to the laboratory and the workplace. We redeem the culture when we represent Christ in our sales meetings. We redeem the culture when we represent Christ to those who work with us and for us and around us. That's how we redeem Christ, by looking like men who resemble Jesus. Strong men. Mighty men who represent a Savior well. Dads, are you perceptive of the world your kids live in? Do you understand the times? Do you understand what their world is like? Granddads, we've got, we've got a great privilege. 
We get to love them, spoil them, and send them home, right? Actually, it better be more than that. We have the privilege to speak truth into the lives of kids. If you're a grandparent here, take advantage of that. I mean, you have those kids over as much as you can. You take care of them, and you tell them about the Savior. You let them see Jesus alive in you. A dying grandpa called his granddaughter in and said, Sweetie, I want to leave you my farm. It includes a villa, a tractor, other heavy equipment, the farmhouse, and about $3 million in cash. The granddaughter was absolutely floored. She had no idea her grandfather had all that stuff. She looked at him and said, Gramps, you are so generous. I, I appreciate it. I didn't even know you had a farm. Where is all this stuff? With his last dying breath, he whispered to her, Facebook. <laughs> if you're over 65, get your grandkids to explain that one to you. You probably don't know what I just talked about. Hey, if you're a grandparent, you speak truth in the lives of those kids. You love those kids. You've got a great opportunity to perceive the times you live in and that they live in and to redeem it. Here's what I want to say. Mighty men impact generations. That's what Psalm 112 says in those first two verses. Praise the Lord, how blessed is a man who fears the Lord, who delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. His descendants, plural, will be mighty upon the earth. I pray that TBC will be filled with strong, godly, manly men. I'm grateful I had a dad taught me how to play ball, hit, catch, throw, shoot, hunt, swim, but I'm even more grateful that he loved my mama because he taught me how to love my wife by doing that. He parented his kids well. All three of us walk with Jesus, so I've learned how to parent my kids. He honored God with his life, and that's what I'm trying to do with mine. So thanks, Dad. Appreciate that. What about you? I pray that you'll be a mighty man. Not a mighty man who can lift weights and can run faster and shoot straighter, but a mighty man who trusts in God. And you're not just a father, but you're a daddy to those kids. Let's conclude with this video.
Mighty men are not just fathers, they're dads. Father, we pray that we would be mighty men who are dads to the kids you've given us. We thank you that you tell us we can call you Abba, Daddy. And for that, we give you thanks. You're here today, men, and you don't know if Jesus is your Savior. The greatest thing you could give your family this morning is the gift of them knowing that their daddy knows Jesus. I pray right now that you would ask Jesus to be your Savior, forgive you of your sin, to be a new man. If you haven't been imitating Christ, I pray that you'll become a Christ follower, an imitator of Christ, so that generations will be impacted to his glory and to your good. Father, thank you for men, men who follow Christ and walk with him. We honor you in this day. In Christ's name, amen. You're dismissed.